God laid this message on my heart several weeks ago, actually during one of Brother Jay's messages. He mentioned the song, True Evangelical Faith, and it seemed like God just said, there's, there's a message right there. And it really has, my preparing the message really has nothing to do with our, with what the church is looking at right now as far as, as um, sponsoring an Afghan family. But it might have everything to do with it. It doesn't on my part. I didn't prepare the message because we're looking at that and what's whatsoever, what, simply because this is what God put on my heart. But it did tie in, I found, as I studied. And the message this morning is going to be quite different than a lot of messages. Um, as I studied this book, Reaching America, happened to be laying beside my chair. I hadn't even seen it before. I sat down to really start getting to the message, and here was this book. I thought, well, look at this book. Didn't know where it came from, started paging through it. And it's like the Lord said right there, that, that goes in your message. I want to start with a story out of this book. The very last one, this book's written by Gary Miller called Reaching America, and it's, it's focused on the, the um, difficulties of reaching people for the Lord in America. And a big portion of this, of this book is um, the work done through the billboard evangelism. Some dear friends had ordered too many of these books and simply dropped one off at the house and it just simply showed up beside my chair right when the Lord wanted it to be there. It's amazing how God works. I want to start this morning with the very last story in the book. And these stories all come from the um, call-in, the, the CAM billboard call-ins. Of course, names have been changed for privacy but this story is about Lisa. She called expecting to get upbraided for not being a Christian and assuming she would be hated by whoever answered the phone. That was simply Lisa's picture of Christianity for what she had, from what she had observed. When she passed a billboard asking, where are you going, heaven or hell, she called to inquire. Lisa is a practicing Buddhist, loves life, and was a very friendly caller. She was certain that she was opposed to Christianity and freely expressed her concerns. She referenced morality issues with Catholic priests and wondered how people could think of Christianity as a good religion with all that going on. And there, then there were the Crusades, slaughtering people in the name of God. As a Buddhist, she is opposed to killing any living being. Why would anyone want to be associated with a religion that goes out and kills people? The phone, the, it, it's called PTM in here, but it's phone team member, then described some of the teachings of Jesus, shared a little on church history, and explained that many Christians throughout history have been opposed to bloodshed. Lisa was genuinely intrigued and confessed she had never heard anything like this before. She then asked a beautiful question. Well, what does, life, what does the life of a true Christian look like then? This was a tremendous opportunity for the, for the phone team member, and he tried to make the best of it. He described the kingdom of Jesus Christ, went through some of his teachings, and concluded by describing how the world today would look if everyone would proclaim Jesus as Lord of their lives. He shared some of the ways true believers try to assist those in need. Where there's a tornado, we go and try to help rebuild. 
Where there's hunger, we're there to offer food. True believers have a deep desire to follow Jesus and to bless people, regardless who they are. They aren't trying to be out in front, but know this. All around the globe, followers of Jesus are quietly attempting to bless their communities and share the love of Christ. The PTM challenged Lisa to investigate Jesus for herself and invited her to start reading the Gospels. This compelling explanation seemed to move Lisa. This wasn't the Christianity she had called to refute. And before hanging up, she observed, the rest of the Christians in America should adopt your belief. What are we doing? What are people seeing in your life, in my life? Am I, are you living a life that demonstrates true evangelical faith? It cannot lie sleeping. What are we doing for God? Point number one of the message, if you want to call it that, is ministering to the needy. Let's turn to Matthew 25, verse 31 to 46. <clears throat> Matthew 25, verse 31 to 46. I'll do more reading today than talking. Verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations. And he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Then shall he say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was unhungered, and gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me not in. Naked, and ye clothed me not. Sick, and in prison, and ye visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee in hunger, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily, I say unto you, inasmuch as ye did it not to one of the least of these, ye did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. Again, I ask, what are we doing for God? I also want to say, you all are doing a lot for God. This message is for me. It challenged me. Men of Simons <clears throat> said this, and it's the original writing from which they took the song, True Evangelical Faith. This is his original words. True evangelical faith is of such a nature it cannot lie dormant, but spreads itself out in all kinds of righteousness and fruits of love. It dies to flesh and blood, 
It destroys all lusts and forbidden desires. It seeks, serves, and fears God in its inmost soul. It clothes the naked. It feeds the hungry. It comforts the sorrowful. It shelters the destitute. It aids and consoles the sad. It does good to those who do it harm. It serves those that harm it. It prays for those who persecute it. It teaches, admonishes, and judges us with the word of the Lord. It seeks those who are lost. It binds up what is wounded. It heals the sick. It saves what is strong. And by that he meant what is right and good. It saves that. It becomes all things to all people. The persecution, suffering, and anguish that come to it for the sake of the Lord's truth have become a glorious joy and comfort to it. True evangelical faith. What does that look like? And are we living that life? Point number two, message ministering to the hurting and homeless. Let's, let's turn to Luke 10. Luke 10, verses 25 to 37. Verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho And fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise the Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him, and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him, and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then, Then said Jesus unto him, Go, and do thou likewise. As I thought about this parable, I thought, here in America, how often do we really meet people like that? And I thought about myself. You know, at Christmas time, we thought we were thinking of things that we could do, try to think of things we could do for others, outside of just us as a family. You know, our immediate response is to, to give to the poor, to the really poor and destitute. Well, I don't personally know that many people that are really, truly poor and destitute. So what does it look like? 
How do we go about being Christ's hands and feet today in America? This again is a story out of this reaching America. I wish I could say that Sherry is a rare case. He just referenced this. The person you meet on the street may have been used, been abused by clergy, been taken advantage of by a ruthless Christian businessman, or been turned off by some disgraceful religious hypocrisy. It seems we are living in the middle of a multitude of painful stories. The news media seems to enjoy publishing the latest religious scandal. News reports outline the titillating details of sexual abuse or financial corruption in the church have become a frequent occurrence. People are continually bombarded with religious hypocrisy. In addition, consider how the American people perceive the average evangelical Christian. Recently, a poll was taken asking Americans whether refugees should be welcomed into the country. For a follower of Jesus, this should not be a difficult question. Now I want to back up to a story we just read. This Samaritan was out of place where he was at. I mean, yeah, this Samaritan was. This man had been wounded, but the Samaritan was not of that country. And he reached out in a place he didn't belong and showed love. Anyone having even a cursory understanding of Jesus' teaching should know how Jesus would respond. He gave clear commands that we are to befriend the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind. And I can't think of a better way to describe many of these landless, homeless, helpless people. America is extremely wealthy and possess tremendous ability to help those in need. What an amazing opportunity. But refugee camps are bulging. The current refugee crisis is overwhelming governments and organizations who are attempting to help. One would assume that American Christians would be first in line to assist these traumatized people. That is why the results of this poll were shocking. Only 25% of white evangelicals believe the United States has a responsibility to these refugees. In contrast, 65% of religiously unaffiliated citizens, people that had no religious background, felt that the U.S. has a responsibility. <clears throat> These statistics should shock us. This means that the person who does not believe in Jesus is more, more than twice as likely to reach out to a foreign refugee as the one who professes to follow him. Even the New York Times noticed this hypocrisy, printing this observation in an article titled, Why People Hate Religion. The article included the following, in one of the most explicit passages of the New Testament, Christ says people will be judged by how they treat the hungry, the poor, the least among us. And yet, only 25% of white evangelicals say their country has some responsibility to take in refugees. No wonder the average seeker in America is confused and disinterested in Christianity. Now please understand, I'm not reading that because we're looking at this, um, looking at sponsoring it uh, Afghan person. I'm reading it because where am I? How do I view the foreigners in my community? Harrisonburg has been 
basically set up as a, as a sanctuary city. Not quite totally, but a lot of foreigners have moved in here. How do I show love to them? Do they matter to me? As that, that wounded person did to that Samaritan. What are we doing for God? Third point of the message, ministering to our enemies. Let's turn to Matthew 5, verses 38 to 48. Matthew 5, verse 38. Ye have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil. But whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if ye salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. In a nutshell, it's defenseless living. Showing love for hate. Praying for our enemies. Some of these passages, Jesus' very, very clear words and teachings are ignored by a huge percentage of Christians in America. What about us in our daily lives? I'm challenged by that. One more story. And I'll have to kind of skip around just a little bit because there's a lot of extra here. It's called the high cost. Jesus was very clear. Not only did he teach that he is the only way, but he said the cost of being his disciple is extremely high. While that was obviously true in Jesus' day, it could be argued that the cost is even higher today. And I would say yes. The cost can be even higher today. Jim found the Lord early in life and became part of a local Protestant congregation. He married had children, and came to believe that part of being a faithful Christian was physically protecting his family from harm. In fact, by the time he met someone who believed Jesus expecting... Let me read that again. In fact, by the time he met someone who believed Jesus expected his teachings on non-resistance to be taken seriously, Jim had storage closets full of guns and ammunition. He was simply trying to be a good Christian father and protect his family. Today, Jim has embraced defenseless living. But it was not easy. Jim tells how difficult it was to believe that Jesus would want fathers to live in this violent world without lethal protection. It was unimaginable. Yet he kept going back to the actual words of Jesus, considering them, and eventually he embraced this basic teaching. Jim has been a faithful follower of Jesus now for many years, but he still remembers how difficult, difficult it was to accept this truth. I was convinced God wanted me to protect my family, and choosing to sell my guns and ammo was a huge decision. I can think of others who, come, who have come up against this hard saying of Jesus and walked away. 
What are our lives demonstrating? Are we really demonstrating true evangelical faith? Under, that's the title of the message I may not have given was true evangelical faith, but under it I have in parentheses, living out Jesus' teachings. Is our lives showing on a day-to-day basis to our maybe employees, to our neighbors, that we're different. We're followers of Jesus first and foremost no matter what it costs us. It is costly at times. I want to read the, the lyrics of the song True Evangelical Faith. It comes from what? From the previous writing that, of Men of Simons that I just read a little bit ago. But it's more concise. True evangelical faith cannot lie sleeping. For it clothes the naked, it comforts the sorrowful, it gives to the hungry food, and it shelters the destitute. It cares for the blind and the lame, the widow and orphan child. That's true evangelical faith. It binds up the wounded man, it offers a gentle hand. We must become everything to all men. Abundantly we have received and gratefully we will respond with true evangelical faith. So overcome evil with good, return someone's hatred with love, we must become everything to all men. Every man that you meet needs the Lord. Every person that we rub shoulders with needs an example of Jesus in a modern day world. Am I doing that? Am I willing to take a, a, a loss financially to keep from violating Jesus' teachings or to show love to someone? To ju- show Jesus' love, not just my love, Jesus' love to someone. And there's a phrase in here, abundantly we have received and gratefully we will respond. We talked this morning in Sunday school about how much we've been given. You know, we don't have to slaughter all these animals. We don't have to sacrifice and do this and do this and do this and on and on and on. All we need to do is give up ourselves and follow Jesus. We've been given so much. We all of history to show who God is, the holiness of God. Abundantly we've received. How will we respond? I've been very challenged by these stories. And there's a lot more, many, many more stories in here in this book that challenge me to realize how the world sees Christianity and challenges us to show them something different. Show them what Jesus really meant, what he really taught. Are we doing that? Are we living true evangelical faith? Let's have a song.